0: Hi everyone and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but she is the author of the book Buried Talents, which she released last year and which examines gendered messages that people encounter inside and outside of the church in each stage of life. It's Susan Howell. Welcome, Susan. Hello. Glad to be here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit
1: more about yourself, your background, where you're calling from? Okay. Yeah, I am a professor of psychology. I teach at Campbellsville University, which is in Campbellsville, Kentucky, and I teach psychology, and pertaining to the book, I teach gender studies for the past, I guess, 20 years, uh, 15 to 20 years, where I have spent a lot of time working with students and helping them to understand how being male or female has an impact on so many things in our life that we would never even expect. And so that led me to write "Buried Talents, where, as you said, I look at different stages of life and how socialization has an impact on us.
0: That's awesome. So I'm curious about the university. Is it a Christian university or is it not affiliated with the yeah, church? No,
1: it is a Baptist affiliated school. And, um, and so, yeah, we do have that. Although we do have a lot of students who are here, you know, from a variety of religious backgrounds and sometimes no religious backgrounds. And so uh, we do have the class usually has a lot of variety in it, you know, in terms of uh, where students were coming from and so on. But, yeah, there are probably more um, Christians and more Baptist Christians in any given classroom than, say, you know, any other background.
0: That's so interesting. And I'm, I'm interested to talk to you about like the gender roles and relationships and characteristics of this, this passage and in the Bible in general, I grew up Catholic and I I teach at a Catholic school. I'm still active in the Catholic church. And obviously we have our issues with gender roles. And (laughs) so, um, I'm, I'm, Curious and interested in, and open to this conversation, so I can't wait to see where it leads. Um, I'm going to have you. We're going to talk today about the parable of the talents, which is appropriate since your book is about <laughs> varied talents. Um, literally, I, I can can see the connection there. Um, so I'm going to have you read that passage. It's from Matthew chapter 25, verses uh, 14 through 27. So I'm going to have you read that for us.
1: Okay. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two and another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off Dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, yet see I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things.
0: Okay, so I can't wait to talk about this. I feel like growing up um and studying scripture, this was always a, like a parable that I struggled with growing up, but um have have since like learned to really appreciate it um so just to give our listeners some context of where we're at in Matthew's Gospel, this is towards the end of Matthew's gospel in chapter twenty five and it comes right after the parable of the ten virgins, which is also about kind of um the end times and like being prepared. This one isn't so much. Well, we can see what we, what you think about it about end times necessarily, but obviously using our gifts and talents. And then right after this in chapter 25, we get like this big kind of end of like judgment, final judgment kind of um, passage where, where Jesus instructs about what we need to, to get into ter- eternal life. So we're coming towards the end of his ministry and very much, I feel like, eternal life and judgment um as he, mm-hmm. he comes to the cross they're kind of like the themes here um, but i'm curious my first question for all my guests is why did you pick this passage
1: well whenever i i wrote buried talents one book that i had read previously is a book by Christina almost peterson and in this book she mentions that, in the book she mentions that whenever we as women answer to god for what we have done with our talents and our abilities that will it be enough to say well i didn't use them i buried my talents Mm -hmm. because i got married um Mm -hmm. because my husband you know didn't want me to uh will that be sufficient and whenever i read that this was before i had ever even had an idea of writing my book that just hit me and i thought that's exactly What we very often tell women is that you can only do this if it doesn't interfere with your husband's plans. You can only do this if your husband is on board. You can only do this if you can also be this great wife, great mother, great everything else. And then with what little time you've got, certainly we want you to use your talents. And and so it, it really stood out to me and I always had that in the back of my mind. And so when I wrote my book, I wanted to be able to use that somewhere. And so after I wrote the book and I was writing the epilogue, and so I brought that in as, you know, will it be enough for any woman to say to God, well, I would have used all you've given me, but I buried it, you know, because I got married or because it what you were calling me to do somehow didn't fit in with what my husband wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. so, so I use that in the book. And so I thought it would be a good thing to, um, you know, to bring in with this podcast, because mm-hmm. that does really, my book kind of answers that question is, will it be good enough? And no, it won't.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've never looked at this passage, particularly through a gendered lens, which is interesting, mm-hmm. like, because I am a woman. So I feel like everything <laughs> I do, you know, <laughs> is through that female lens. Right. Um, but I think I, and I want to talk about like, like your book and and how this passage relates to that, but just my initial reactions when I used to read this as like a kid is like, you know, the investment part. Like, well, it does, you know, the one who buries something makes sense because he wasn't gonna gamble it or risk it. So um, maybe maybe we can just start there, like with the just non gendered themes, and then I would definitely want to dive into um, what you were saying about how women tend to bury our talents in our society. But like, what are your initial impressions of this? Just kind of well, generically. I
1: think- I think there is a lot of risk anytime we use a talent. Anytime, well, anytime we do anything, I'm mean, just going through life as a risk. But whenever, for instance, if I say, well, I feel like I have talent with writing. And so then I want to use that. But then um, it's so easy to just not take the risk. Because if you write, uh, you'll send it somewhere and it's going to get rejected by probably several people before your book or your article or whatever is published and whenever you write something people are going to criticize it and you might have to defend what you say so there are a lot of risks with that Um, with writing just like with anything else when we use what we've been given we do have risks and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just easier not to and Mm -hmm. so I feel for that you know the last servant who said well I just buried it because I you know I didn't want to risk it. I feel for that, and I think that, that a lot of us have been there. But is that the right response? Really, it's not. And I, I think we all know well, that's probably not the best way to do it. But yet, it's so tempting to not take the risk. And And, and I do think, you know, beyond gender, I think this applies to so many people in a lot of situations
0: hmm. I think it's interesting too, just like that. I was I was born and raised in the 80s. And so that that my initial reaction, this is like monetary, I think is really interesting. Yeah, it right. says a lot about our society. Okay. Um, just because that word talent, um, I guess I was always I just interpreted it to mean growing up like that. It wasn't the way that we look at it or that we're talking about it now that it was like money. And I don't oh, know if right. I was wrong, wrong in thinking that like, do you yeah. know much about the no, origin yeah. of
1: the word? yeah you know i'm not sure either and i've always wondered about that too because um and and i i was aware that the uh, new international version that i had read from actually uses the phrase bag of gold instead of talents and and, and after i selected that i kind of wondered ooh, i probably should have you know used one that, that used the word talents but i always wondered that too i i took it to mean money here. But yet there's such a good, I guess, way that we can generalize this too beyond money to anything that we have that we can that we can use and invest like like our talents, you know, again, for writing or speaking or singing or whatever that we do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm looking now, I should have done this beforehand, but um, my footnote for the word talent takes me to Matthew chapter 18. Mm-hmm. And then it says to look at verse 24. And it is about like debts and like mm-hmm. it's a parable of the unforgiving servant that like, you know, wasn't was forgiven a debt, but then didn't forgive anyways. So <laughs> anyways, that's kind of going to take us to an aside. But um, I, I absolutely agree that like later in life than I, I took this to be as we're discussing it now, like about um, actual gifts, right? Like our mm-hmm. our spiritual gifts, our, um, our talents, our skills. And so you're talking about writing and I can relate to that. I am. Uh, amateur writer, I do have a goal one day to to write a book. So I'm very impressed by you being able to publish your <laughs> book. Um, but you're right, we can relate to, to any man or woman, like any kind of skill. Um, but let's maybe get into now like the gendered roles and issues with this passage, like reading it now, um, when you were reading it, I was very struck by the word man, which usually I've been kind of taught in my faith background to be like, oh, a man's just like universal, just means like humankind. <laughs> right. But yeah. then, you know, I'm like, yeah, but like this time period was very gendered. So, um, so I don't know, let's go ahead and dive into it. Like, how do you interpret this from like a female lens or a gendered lens?
1: Right. Well, um, whenever I started working on uh, on the material for the book, um, I started looking at everything through a gendered lens. And I guess mm-hmm. that's sort of the occupational hazard.
0: Um, mm-hmm. and,
1: and one of my stu uh, one of the things my students tell me on a regular basis is that they didn't know that there were so many things in the world that when you look at it through a gendered lens, it just sort of, um, you know, it, it really just kind of captures you. It, you can't not look at it mm-hmm. through that lens once you've started. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, whenever I looked at this, and like I said, I got this initially from um, Christina LaSalle Peterson's book, and she was using that, you know, as as through the gendered lens. And I just thought when I wrote this book, what I had focused on was all of the very implicit ways that our society socializes us according to gender. And so Mm -hmm. that just sort of fit in really well with her using the talents. And I don't know if that answered your question, but I guess just teaching the class sort of has taught me to look at everything from through a gender group.
0: Yeah, sure. So let's talk about them. This specifically, you'd mentioned earlier that like talking about women specifically, how I'm a, I'm a single woman. Mm-hmm. I um, I don't know if I'm called to marriage or not. I discerned religious life for a minute. So I lived in a convent for a uh-huh. couple, like for a year uh, and discerned that. Um, and now I've just found that I can use my gifts best as like a single woman. I'm a teacher. I don't feel called to have kids. So that's kind of different mm-hmm. than like what you were Describing, but I know that's not like I'm kind right. of abnormal in our society, <laughs> which is carries oh, my own no. issues and baggage. But, um, but yeah, so like, let's talk about like, I guess, the typical like societal role of women, like in the church, out of the church, and then how this passage relates. If you, yeah, if you want to start well, there, one,
1: one thing that, yeah, one thing that I have found is that even though explicitly churches tell us that we are supposed to certainly love God. We are supposed to pray, we're supposed to discern what it is that we're called to do, and then and then we're supposed to do it. You know, we're supposed to live our lives, asking ourselves and going through life thinking, what does God want for me in this situation? And so I being raised in churches, you know, all my life, I was certainly given that message, but I was even as a as a younger person teenager and such I was also very well aware that there were some things that if I felt called to do I would not be free to do like for instance church leadership and Mm -hmm. honestly I I never did feel like I was called to pastor I was never it wasn't like I felt called to that and the church told me I couldn't it just never even entered my mind that that would be a possibility and so As I got older and I started studying gender as a graduate student and then started teaching this course, I started realizing that even though explicitly I had been told, like all of us had, you know, we're supposed to follow God, we're supposed to love God, we're supposed to pray and seek out guidance, that I was also given a lot of implicit messages too. And those implicit messages had probably way more of an impact on the person that I am. Like, for instance, um, all of the language was very androcentric in our church. Like you said, man was supposed to mean everyone. And yet, sometimes when the word man was used, it meant man. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. if we were looking for a pastor, uh, the church would say, We're going to look for the man of God to lead us. And in that case, man certainly meant that it had to be a man. It didn't mean, oh, well, any human, you know, whatsoever. Or when we would be singing hymns and talking about the brotherhood of mankind or God, our father, anything about like faith of our fathers, you know, songs yeah. that are, it's always, you know, what about faith of our mothers or, or yeah. what about the children of God rather than the sons of God or how about our ancestors rather than our forefathers? And so, goodness, I was grown and probably out of graduate school before I even really thought about that. So all of these implicit messages, I was absorbing, like every other person in the pew, that sure, we could do whatever God called us to do, but all that church leadership stuff really was reserved for men, and even mm-hmm. not just church leadership at the I don't know how it is with Catholic Church, but in Baptist, at least the Baptist churches that I was in, and I and I know I can't speak for all Baptist churches because Mm -hmm. there are some that are much more open, but the ones I was raised in, if someone needed to teach the adult Sunday school class, it was never gonna be a Mm woman. Because we were told that women should be following and men should be leading. And so Mm -hmm. if a woman taught a semi-school class and had adult men in it well that wouldn't be appropriate because then she would be kind of leading i guess leading him and learning i am not sure exactly that i follow all of their line of thinking but that that was the message and i remember there was a woman in one church that i attended in high school and she was very gifted and she did teach a class um, and several of the men you know they weren't crazy about it and um didn't quite like it because she was a woman, even though they all admitted that she was good. And I have to say, I've got to back up that that story a little bit. Uh, When I say there was a woman teaching a Sunday school class, it wasn't at the church we attended. It was at a church we had visited. And so, like I say, we probably wouldn't have attended there, um, you know, like joined it and been an active member because of the fact that they let a woman teach uh, an adult class.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I, just to give you some, like where I'm coming from again, being like a child in, of the eighties and raised in the eighties and also in Catholic schools, like women did teach, like that was the one thing that women could do and wow, and do right. like, you know, uh-huh. um, Catholic nuns, right. We got Catholic schools run by of nuns. Course. And so like pretty right. much all they did was teach. Um, yeah. And so I'm a teacher now I teach scripture. I got to go, you know, to grad school for theology and it was pretty much like me and one other woman and like all these seminarians in my classes, yeah. but um I feel like that is the one role that, well, I mean, there's other roles. I shouldn't be so limiting. Sure, like they, right. We do have um, a hierarchy and, you know, at the top of the hierarchy is, are many, many men, but we um, you know we do teach that women can. And I, and I would even say that I think there's scriptural proof. Um, oh, you know, there too. are Mary Magdalene is like the first evangelist sure. telling everybody about the resurrection. So I feel oh, like right. women should be able to preach as well. And that's my oh, opinion, yeah. but sure. And oh, baptize because yeah. I, you know,
1: yeah, and see, I agree completely. In fact, I think yeah. that an, an an accurate reading of Scripture certainly, you know, would allow for that. But, but I think there are a lot of churches who won't who won't look at it that way, you
0: know. Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah, well, we could get into a whole other thing. but I want to read <laughs> right. the passage. Right. So right. again, to maybe women who maybe are not in our positions that do feel like they have, like you were mentioning earlier, maybe married women who have kids and feel like they have to serve their kids uh-huh. and their husbands, and before they can. Do their serve their own talents? Like, what would you say to women who feel that way?
1: Well, I think that a lot of times we feel that way, women do, because we think, oh, my goodness, we have these children and I need to be a good mom because they've got to be raised well. I 100% agree that children do need to be raised well. What I take issue with is I don't think that it's the woman that has to do all of that. Um, I think dads need to step up and Mm -hmm. be available and if someone has to take off because the child is sick. And it doesn't, I mean, I did that certainly when my kids were little, but my husband did it too. We took turns Mm on, you know, who had what coming up today and who could afford to take the day off. And it was him as much as it was me. Or for instance, if if you have some needs in the family where there needs to be someone at home and you decide that one of you needs to go part-time, Uh, for whatever the needs are at that time, it's almost always a woman who does that. And I just argue that it doesn't always have to be. So I think if we start seeing men and women both as parents and committed to raising good children and having healthy families, then I think that's going to free women and men up to do whatever they're called to do. So like, Mm -hmm. for instance, if in our family... um, you know, if we went through a difficult time and one of us needed to be at home more, sometimes I took on that role, but sometimes my husband did. And so then that freed both of us up to do whatever we felt led to do outside the home because we weren't the only one that was taking care of things inside the home. So what I would tell people is your desire to be a good parent is commendable and I don't argue with that at all. I just think that we have two parents in most families, and I realize that's that's not the case for all families. But when we have two parents, make use of both of those parents.
0: I also find, uh, you know, I I work as a teacher, and it's a and especially at the elementary and middle school level, it's predominantly a female profession. Um, you, I think when you get into higher education, it changes a little bit, um, but. So I work with a lot of women who are mothers and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they teach all day and then also go home to a family and mm-hmm. like you're describing like that some of them do have husbands that also share the the duties. And I, I think that helps, but it's just such a nurturing, I don't know, like, and I think that that's another reason what you were saying about like buried talents. I think a lot of women maybe don't want to articulate their needs because their mm-hmm. needs don't come first. I see that in a lot of my coworkers that like they think, know, their children's needs come first, which sure uh-huh. Um are sure. uh, yeah. there, yeah. you know, their husbands. And so um I think in addition to what you're saying about like having a co-parent and actually like utilizing that, mm-hmm. Um I would say also to maybe women from my perspective, like articulate your needs. Like if you need some alone time, like tell, communicate that, tell your kids, tell your husband, like I, mom needs, like, you know, and it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not a mom, but like Carve out that time for yourself and say, like, mom needs like ten minutes, and like just make that a priority. I don't right. know if you would agree with that.
1: No, I do agree with that, and I think that that really ties in well because, for instance, if if I as a woman don't take my needs into account, basically mm-hmm. what that is saying is that my children's needs come first, which arguably, you know, I, I would sure. think that they do. Um, but that also means that the husbands and the, the father his needs are coming first too. Mm-hmm. And that I would I would disagree. I think that both parents as individuals do have needs. And I think that the man's and the woman's needs need to be taken equally seriously. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is that, you know, if there are some needs at home that need to be met, and that's gonna require maybe that somebody spend more time, you know, doing things for the children or for a household upkeep or whatever, Um, Sure. I felt responsible to do that. I just didn't feel like it was all my responsibility. And I think it Mm -hmm. went back, I'm sure it went back to the fact that my husband and I both saw his needs and my needs on an equal footing. Mm -hmm. We didn't feel like it was the children first and then his needs and then I just took whatever happened to be left over. Mm -hmm. It was more like our kids. We did do what we did you know, for their sake first and foremost. But then when it came after that, then he and I split up whatever was left, you know, between his needs and my needs.
0: That's beautiful. And I think, I mean, you can agree or disagree with me, but like, um, so my parents' generation, I think it was, and and like certainly my grandparents, like it was like this woman's role to kind of just be like the silent martyr, I feel like, and just like do it all and not say anything. And then I think in my generation and then also now what I'm seeing in Gen Z, and you you work with young people too, like, I think there is more that equal footing and and even like young people's um understanding of gender is is changing, let alone just the roles, which you know, I think I don't know if you would you would agree that you see that. Like so how do your students respond to these messages that you share? Well,
1: that's interesting actually, because I think it is accurate that Students nowadays in this next generation, they're certainly believing that women have an equal footing, or at least or at least more so than maybe my generation or your generation did. But what I'm finding with my students is that even though they voice that, and I think at some level they believe as women they're equal, when it comes down to They meet some guy and they're dating and they're starting Mm -hmm. to talk about getting married. What I see happen almost all of the time is that they'll come into my office and they start Mm backpedaling a little bit Mm -hmm. on what their career is going to look like. They start Mm -hmm. backpedaling a little bit on, well, I'm not so sure, Dr. Howe, but I can go to grad school as quickly as I wanted because, you know, my boyfriend, he's going to be on going to seminary or to grad school, or he's got this great job offer, and and you know we want to make sure we get that first, and then and then maybe I'll have a chance later. And so, what I'm seeing is these women who are so excited about following their call and their gifts and what they believe they're led to do in terms of a career. Once there is a potential spouse in the picture they start backing away from it. And even though I don't have any doubt that they are much more likely to see themselves as equals than say your generation or my generation, certainly much more than my parents' generation. Mm -hmm. um, Still, when it comes down to it, there are those millions of implicit messages that Mm -hmm. they're still receiving. And that's what my book is about, is that even among people, Who are fully on board ideologically with women being equal, those implicit messages still exert such an influence that they don't realize. And I know they don't realize it because whenever I say things to my students, and I, I, I do this gently because, goodness, it's their life choice, but I'll say something like, Well, you know, it's very easy for a woman to put her needs and her career goals and her grad school planning on hold so that she can do whatever her husband needs and so on. And I'll say that gently, that you want to make sure that you don't overlook. And sitting out for a while can be good, but for every year that you sit out and you don't go to grad school, you're less and less likely to ever go. Mm -hmm. And whenever I say things like that, what they will typically say to me is, oh, but it's not because I'm a woman. No, mm-hmm. it's just that we thought right now that it would be better repeat for him to do it. And basically then what they continue to describe to me is precisely because they're a woman, because right. of those implicit messages. So I firmly believe that, yes, nowadays we are much more likely to see women who believe they're equal, but we're not seeing a whole lot of them truly live that out in terms of saying, okay, we both want to go to grad school. Let's don't assume that you go first. Let's work this out. Let's think about it. Is there a way I could go first or is there a way we could both go at the same time? And and then you add to that once they have a child, well, then mm-hmm. their needs even go further down on the yeah. list of priorities. So.
0: That's so interesting. And I, I agree with you, I'm sure it's that implicit bias, which is why like your classes are so important, why I feel like representation in mm-hmm. like films and media, because even though we wanna say like my students are funny, I also teach media literacy and journalism because uh-huh. so I have a bachelor's in that. And you know, they wanna say like, Oh, I'm not influenced by the media and I'm like, <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, y'all are so so like I think Messages and representation, you know, um, are right. so important. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that, but like you said, it's so deeply ingrained in our institutions, not just the church, but certainly the church, but
1: just yes. as oh, society.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in fact, um, I do, of course, mention um, I have sections in here on how the church influences, but I do spend a lot of time even talking about the education system mm-hmm. and the media and. And, you know, even just like the the chores that our parents assign to us, you know, mm-hmm. um, that typically girls get assigned chores that need to be done more frequently. You know, like mm-hmm. meal preparation and uh, cleaning the room and mm-hmm. making sure the laundry is done. And guys get chores like helping dad paint the garage, which isn't mm-hmm. done every day. You know, and mm-hmm. so what that communicates to them is that. As a woman, I'm going to be doing things that have to be done every day. Gee, I better not have a career that where I'm going to have mm. a lot of time out from the home. And guys then are raised believing that, yeah, I need to help out at home, but not with everyday stuff. And so I'm mm. going to have plenty of time to go out every day and spend lots and lots of time. I and mean, probably I'm going to have a wife who's going to be handling this because, look, my mom and my sisters, always make sure we have clean clothes and food on the table so again nobody is sitting down and telling children this explicitly but they're sure learning it implicitly
0: Ooh, you just unlocked something like i'm like single and like i've <laughs> and i listen to my girlfriends like talk all the time about like how their their guys like don't know how to do daily things and i'm like oh, oh my right. gosh this, this makes exactly. so much sense and like even though my yeah. friends are all like these strong empowered women i see them like Exactly, care of, and I'm like, why? But okay, so this, this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> it is, and what I did.
1: This is just something that I have thought about, and and I know that this might sound cheeky, and I don't mean for it to be, but I have had so many women tell me, "Well, that sounds good, but I have to do my husband's laundry, or it would never and mm-hmm. done." And right. I'm thinking, well, okay, um, if if I have, to, I, I can see where I have to do my laundry because I need to wear those clothes every day, but but if if one person is having to do the other one's laundry so it'll get done, mm-hmm. my hunch is it would get done if you just stop yep. doing it. Um, yep. and, you know and, and I know that 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 may or may not sound fair, you know, like in our family, we have had times in our marriage where I have done the laundry, and but when I was doing that, my husband was doing other things like he might have been, Uh, Cooking the meals, Mm -hmm. or doing kitchen cleanup, or um, helping kids with homework. You know, we were we were but right now, however, the way we've divided things, he's doing more of the laundry, and I'm doing other things. You know, so we've we've gone back and forth with that. Um, But I think if either one of us ever felt like you know we were being put upon, or the other one wasn't doing their fair share, we would talk about it, and we would say, okay, wait. Somebody needs to be helping more
0: with this. Uh, You've shared so much, I think, and given so much to think about, you know, we we certainly started with the scripture passage, but I think given us things that I've been thinking (laughs) about for a while, so I'm glad to know that I'm, and I know I'm not alone, so it's, but it's nice to hear someone else articulate them as well. Um, As we wrap up, are there other things you'd like to say about this passage? Um, What other, I'm curious, what other scripture passages, do you talk about other scripture passages in your book?
1: I do. Um, I, I have made a point of not getting too much into the theology of it, because even though I certainly have strong beliefs the- theologically about this, I'm not a theologian, and so I try to limit what I write and speak about to what I know. Um, but I do speak some about the Genesis passages that mm-hmm. that people sometimes, um, sometimes yeah. want to use, you know, as far as... Um, Genesis, I think it's 3.16 mm-hmm. Where To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing severe. Yeah. Um, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so we do talk about this in my class. And I mentioned this in the book is that what I was always taught was that this was God putting this punishment saying mm-hmm. the man should rule and women, you're going to need to be trying your best to please him. But if you look, that's only said after the fall, after sin enters the world. And God doesn't say that's the way he wants it to be. God says this is the way it will be because you people have messed up and you've done exactly what I said not to do. So, yeah, so now your desire is going to be for him that he's going to roll over you. God isn't saying, at least, I mean, my interpretation, and the egalitarian interpretation, is that God's not saying that's the way I wanted it to be. Right. God is saying, "Okay, look. I warned you, and this is what you've done. And so, this is what you've got. I didn't want it. Didn't plan it. I tried to warn you, but okay, this is what we've got. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to stop there. It means that yeah. maybe that's the bed that we have made for ourselves. But maybe we need to work toward what God originally planned, yeah. which was putting us both, men and women, over." animals and over creation and ruling the world and making the world a
0: better place yeah i love that i always teach my students you know i am again catholic so we have more of a like figurative um historical kind of Mm -hmm. context like contextual way of reading the scripture but certainly we still get a lot from that genesis passage about marriage and uh, yeah i agree i think that the initial intention like with man or god creating symbolically like man from uh, or eve from man's rib like that rib i always teach my students like shows that we're made of the same stuff that we're like equal and i i always say that like in both creation stories like women are like the last thing to be created and so we're like the pinnacle of creation <laughs> and, uh, exactly. and then uh like go. god is like it doesn't get better than this i'm done creating <laughs> with created women and that's right. it and then um also that like if we're if jesus came like i know 315 because that's like very important in our catholic faith showing that like god is sending a savior like it's kind of the 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 prequel of like God is going to send a savior to save us from that original sin. And so then Jesus makes all things new. So why are we holding on to these old ways yes, if we've been exactly. redeemed and we have baptism to get rid of original mm-hmm. sin. And like, anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. this is so interesting. And I, I'm so glad that you exist and that you're doing this work. Um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> at the Thank end, you. end of my um, podcast, I give people a chance to plug. So you've got your book. Um, what other projects or what are the things would you like
1: us to check out from you? Well, I have on my website, uh, which you can access at SusanHarrisHowell.com. And if you access that, you will have lots and lots of articles that I have written about gender inequality and egalitarianism and um, some of the things that int- that sparked my interest in writing varied talents. And if you check out my website, you will also find ways that you can connect with me on um, social media and how you mm-hmm. could order the book if you'd like a signed copy. And so I would love to hear from anyone also who has read the book and would just like to uh, have a conversation with me about that. I always enjoy hearing what people think after they read
0: it. Well, I definitely encourage everyone listening to check out Susan's website and then connect with her on social media. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Instagram at 7 Chats, all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter at Miss Struckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One, and I tweet about what's going on in my classroom and any projects I have going on. Susan, thank you again for doing this. This is a wonderful conversation that gave us much to think about. So thank oh, you thank once you.
1: again. I have enjoyed
0: it. Thank you. Bye, everyone.